Welcome back to another episode of Somewhere Between, a podcast made by Asian adoptees for Asian adoptees. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the second part of my interview episode with Pema. In this half, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Pema's journey once she reaches China. So Pema, you, you have the visa now. What comes next? Wow. So once I board the plane, it's a long 13-hour journey that I take. And honestly, it's a lot of just waiting. So I do the normal plane things. I listen to podcasts, I listen to music, I sleep, and I kind of try to get myself on China time because um, you definitely don't want jet lag. Yeah, it's literally about 12, 13 hours, depending on what part of China you go, right? Or is it all one time? It's about 13 hours. And so what I do, um, my dad has this little funny, cool trick that the military uses is basically you fast for like half a day or so and then you eat breakfast in your new time zone (laughs) and then when you get to China you're not jet lagged which is really fun that's so actually kind of (laughs) cool yeah so I did a little bit of that and then I just honestly just ate a lot because I was really hungry on the plane (laughs) yeah (laughs) relatable what were you feeling in this you know giant super long plane ride any like any feelings coming up what was running through your mind I guess yeah honestly I got a little bit sad on the plane ride because I wasn't gonna see my family for about a month and Mm -hmm. I was gonna go to a um a place that I didn't really know anyone and so that was a little bit intimidating especially navigating the airports all by myself because I had been to China but Mm -hmm. I had been with a group and so they always had people directing and kind of leading. But but now I was totally by myself here to navigate the Chinese airport by myself and then find my own kind of transportation to my own accommodations. And so that was definitely a step up. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was just kind of reflecting on, wow, I've done all this work. How, like, what will I find? Who will I be able to meet? I want to be able to be be my best self. So a lot of just reflecting and I did some journaling and I did a little bit of like a video vlog, like on that one plane ride, just to kind of record my feelings about it. That's awesome. I guess I didn't realize you, so you took this journey to China by yourself. Did you have people or plans to meet somebody over there? Yeah, so... I went over by myself in the beginning to do like my three weeks in volunteering at at a special needs orphanage. And then we Mm -hmm. kind of went to my birth parent search. But all that travel was basically by myself because after the orphanage trip, I had to fly and take a train by myself to go meet my parents. So it was a lot of individual travel within China to even meet up with my family at the very end. That's definitely very intimidating to somebody like me who doesn't, you know, normally goes with a group or something. So I hats off to you for doing all that because, oh, my gosh, I'd be so scared just in general, no matter where I was going. Yeah, it's honestly in China. What is good is like normally people want to help you and at least someone speaks English and especially in the train stations there is like English below the Chinese. So it's pretty user friendly. You just kind of have to, you know, navigate yourself through. That's, that's really, that's helpful. I'm the kind of person who will get lost 
pretty much anywhere. So uh, again, that's just really cool that you in another country, like I can't go from like one, like if I haven't traveled a place before, I get lost immediately. So I guess I, I feel like you grew a lot during that trip, it sounds like in terms of like just independence and navigating and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, of course, but <laughs> I definitely did. And um, I'm definitely no navigation guru. I get lost. I have to use my directions every time I'm here in the States driving places. So it was definitely an experience. That's awesome. Very, very cool, though. I guess just tell us a little bit more about like what you did in China, some highlights. What was it like volunteering at the orphanage? Tell us everything, I guess. It just sounds so interesting. Yeah. So honestly, my time at the special needs orphanage was pretty much amazing. I um, woke up and we had to honestly take the train to the place in Beijing where the orphanage was. And I was paired with one other girl. And so she and I, we would work there from like nine to three. And so we would wake up the babies, bathe them, do laundry, feed them for for lunch, put them to sleep, play with them, um, help the nannies out. And so it was a lot of lot of work. And this was in the heat of the summer and they don't really have air conditioning. So yeah. it was like sweltering hot. And you were like dealing with these crying kids. Oh. And um, it was it was definitely a very humbling and exciting experience because during the break times and stuff like that, I could like talk with the nannies and I used my kind of Chinese to English dictionary and I showed them videos and they had the, their phones and they were showing me different things. And so since the world is so globalized, they're showing me like, um, do you know the the song Better Now by Post Malone? That was like really popular yeah. in 2018. But yeah, <laughs> we were sharing music and different things. And so that was that was a really, really cool kind of part of, of my trip. And then we kind of transferred. That was totally different from my actual birth parent search because um, – I honestly had no idea what to expect. And mm -hmm. so when we, the first day that I met up with my parents, I met Jane, who was our guide. And my parents and Jane had just come off of another week of helping my brother do his, his birth parent search. So they had a little bit of momentum, which was great. And mm -hmm. so um, honestly, the number one rule in this kind of thing is plans always change. And so I remember the story where... Um, my dad had like obviously planned ahead and like gotten a hotel and different things, but he didn't realize how far away it was from the actual city and town. And what was really important was that we wanted to hand out flyers in, in the city and be able to walk around different shops and different hotels and different venues and different things. So my dad legit changed our hotel to the middle of the city center the day of. <laughs> Oh my gosh! All fees, all these like buying new hotel rooms, just so that we could do it. So we were in like a like um I don't know some Marriott Chinese hotel in the middle it's of the city square. Location. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so that was definitely kind of crazy, kind of cool. She brought me up to speed really, really fast. Our our guy Jane. And honestly, that day we spent, um, she was like locating a printing friend or something and she printed over like a thousand flyers. And so that was kind of the first day. 
And um, honestly, we kind of just followed Jane's lead. And she was like, okay, we're going to get up tomorrow morning and we're going to distribute all these flyers and we're going to go to your orphanage. So honestly, it was just really, really, really fast paced every single day. Yeah, it sounds like literally like boots on the ground, kind of just stop in the pavement, kind of work. <laughs> and again, yeah. it's the middle of the summer, like you said, so hot, I imagine. Yeah, very, very hot. And honestly, there wasn't a lot of time to think and kind of reflect while everything everything was happening. Because, Mm -hmm. as you know, the birth parent search is only a week. So maybe the second day we went to my orphanage, looked through the paperwork, and then um, we went to my finding spot. Mm -hmm. to kind of see if we could talk to any of the police there and since we kind of gained a media presence because um through my like qr code and wechat because we set all all that up Mm -hmm. um jane had kind of contacted different local media stations in gian and Mm -hmm. so they actually followed us to the um police station and so they were kind of forming this little mini documentary about me so it would garner like obviously more support and more interest and so um we went to the police station and obviously they didn't know like a ton because like they don't keep records <laughs> from from that far away and honestly a lot of those people had probably transitioned out or moved away or gotten a different job right. and so what they did want us to do is they wanted us to do like a blood test and they actually did that live on wow um, our tv or like on the recording and so what they did is they had camera crews follow me around and um, they're asking us questions and I was kind of relaying the story live to the police people as like a story segment and then um they had like a police the head police official come and like prick my finger and then put my (laughs) put my blood on this little piece of cloth and then they would process that to see if there was any kind of matches and so that tv segment kind of lasted the whole day and then slowly we had people kind of come forward and say oh I think that like we might be a match not not DNA wise but like story wise and so that was kind of a very interesting process because through this um through this tv segment through this media interview and talking to to different people and sending out my flyers with with my QR code people started to recognize me like when I went around to different places people would be like oh like you're the girl on the flyer wow. and, different things. and so yeah I had several I had one or two families come forward and it was exciting but I didn't want to get my hopes up and I didn't want to get their hopes up and so it was more of like oh here is the opportunity to meet a potential birth family and obviously I thought that it was my role because some of this was filmed and stuff Mm -hmm. and just just for my conscious I wanted to treat each birth family um as a unique family and like as a unique like kind of group of people because I didn't want myself to just be like bored and and kind of like oh you weren't you weren't my birth birth family so I'm not going to take any interest in getting to know who you are and kind of dismissing them right I wanted to treat them with the same equal respect and so um I got to know them got to know their their story 
they showed me pictures. They honestly, these families care so much about this. Like they were all, all dressed up. They were able to get the grandfather that was a little bit older who probably knew a little bit more and had more knowledge. They, one of the families brought the grandfather in and, and that was really hard because he didn't have a lot of mobility, but he was like really, wow. really wanting, wanting to find his long lost granddaughter and people were crying. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very kind of emotionally humbling experience because for these families, like they've never really told their secret before yeah. and they really want to find their child and even though I I may not be be their child I wanted to like be there and show them what and what an adoptee looks like and and like how we are you know and I didn't want to give off a bad impression of oh we're just these stuck up Americans and if it doesn't like help us well then we're we aren't going to pay attention to you so yeah that was kind of a interesting time sounds like a very heavy experience as well yeah, definitely. And like, I didn't really know, like, should I be crying on camera? Am, do I want to show my emotions? Because mm-hmm. part of me, I just didn't want to show my emotions. Like right then and there, I was kind of shocked. And I didn't, I was trying to process things myself. Right. And so I honestly just took over the role of like asking other people how they were feeling, making sure everyone else was kind of okay. And then back in the hotel room, I was able to more process and talk to my parents and kind of be like, oh my gosh, like I, I don't want to like, you know, say anything wrong or like, Mm -hmm. I, I really wish this was my, was my family, but these dates don't, don't match or someone, Mm -hmm. um, you know some part of the story doesn't work and right one of the families that actually stepped forward um it was really cool my supposed sister if this was my family was a teacher and she actually was the one who contacted the channel because she was on her wechat which is like chinese facebook basically right and um she was like telling kind of her sad story about the fact how her sister um, had some like mental challenges and was sent away or something. And then she got pregnant when she was away and returned to the village. And this caused a lot of controversy. Oh, wow. And um, the father had died previously and the grandfather was like there, but not fully there. And so this is a really, really, really sad story. And like part of me was like hearing all these iterations of stories part of me was like is this where I came from is this where I came from is this is this my background and so it was hard not being too attached to the story because I was like I want some kind of information but then knowing how to create that appropriate distance because you don't want to get your hopes up and then you also don't want to be like you know devastated if this isn't like your family right and um I'm so glad that this was not like my family because I wouldn't want to know that like maybe my birth mother might have been like taken advantage of if she had like um if she was in a different mental state do you know like that's not fun to know yeah I can't even imagine what kind of essentially you because like you said you have to kind of go into the mentality with each family that they're unique and they you know while you're like oh, well, you know, you may or may not find out that they are your birth family, you still want to interact with them that they 
they could be and just to imagine yourself in all these different scenarios that are I'm sure equally heartbreaking in different ways that you know it's like getting your heart broken over and over again yeah and and it's hard I mean after each single family comes you're like oh my gosh is this real is this like is this my story and then to have another family come forward I mean I kind of felt like I don't know when like do you know the movie Annie when like everyone all the birth families come forward and they're yes. like, oh, this is my kid this is this is my kid like <laughs> I felt kind of like her like trying to sort out like what's mm-hmm. real what isn't real what is like what's mm-hmm. a right match what what isn't a, a right match I mean yeah. in the Annie story they were trying to take advantage like of her I don't think they were no one was what, what was trying to take advantage in this situation right. but the ciphering and the kind of understanding is this right is this not right is the commonality between them yeah and I think it's really you know just to see how big of an event and how important it was for all these people to you know come and potentially meet you know their long-lost family member it kind of just shows how heartbreaking like the one-child policy was and that a lot of family I think people had this idea that we weren't wanted and they just, you know, wanted us dead or X, Y, Z, but it really goes to show you that, you know, we were wanted and it, we would have stayed had this policy most likely not been enacted and that these families do care and they do still view us as family, even though they did give us away or whatever, however we ended up adopted. And I think that that's really sad too. And I think that's a very important point to touch on because honestly, when I was in my province in Gion, like I was so welcomed with open arms. We met with some higher up officials and they took us to dinner and we got to know, know their family and I got to play with play with their kids. And they, I mean, people on WeChat still contact me all the time saying, like, happy, happy, happy new year, like, like, well, like, Merry Christmas, and yeah. this family that we kind of ate with and were socializing with, they were mm-hmm. like, we welcome you home to Gion, like, this is your home, and like, we want to make you feel a part of this, and yeah. we will be here for, for you, and we'll keep our ears and ears and eyes out for you, and you and your, your story, that's kind of what they said towards the very end, oh, and so yeah. these people really do have genuine great hearts, and they really do want to help um, mm-hmm. adoptees find their birth parents, that's amazing and also very encouraging for other hopefully any adoptee out there listening that if you go to China you know there's a good chance that the people are gonna put their whole heart and soul into you know supporting and caring about you as well right and like obviously you're gonna have like some people who don't agree or some people who do not understand um, I remember we were in a rural, very rural village within Gion. And I mean, I'm talking about like, like dirt houses and like dirt, dirt roads and not right. a lot of, just a lot, like a lot of bicycles and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we were hanging posters around and different things. And everyone was just very curious, mm-hmm. but you saw some people like taking down the flyers after you put 
put them up and like you can't really say much because like this is their place even though we were putting it in public places but it is kind of their right like we didn't we didn't you know yeah they like we have to put this up I mean it's their home too and so you're definitely going to have those people who disagree or don't really agree with your mission and or think adoption is kind of taboo and and um the biggest question I got and this is kind of an interesting question to prepare for if you do go over is a lot of people ask like um were people were frustrated and they're like why are you doing this like you live such a great life within America aren't isn't this shaming your um adoptive parents like are you doing this does this mean that you don't love your adoptive parents enough or you didn't think that that they they did a good enough job so you're looking for like a second set of parents and so that was kind of the mentality that some people had. And so to explain like, oh, no, I feel whole, like I'm happy where, where, I, where I am. My adoptive parents are really supportive and loving. And we want to know a little bit more about my story instead of it being like my adoptive parents are not enough. And therefore, I'm looking for a second set of parents. And so yeah. that was kind of a question that came up during the search. Yeah, I feel like you definitely you get that from people like in America as well or other countries, they say, you know, why would you look or I think there's this idea that with parents, there's, you know, roles that they have to play. Um, And it kind of all ties into just like the expectations of what it means to, to be adopted. I think just people just don't understand what that is like. I think that's what it all boils down to in the end. Yeah, and, and it's just about education and none of these people were rude in the way they said it they were just curious and I always try to meet curiosity with um like fact and and a kind opinion you know so I think that's awesome it was definitely like a great experience and um another thing (laughs) this is kind of just a funny gem but Mm -hmm. I actually didn't know my blood type going over to China (laughs) Which, oh yeah well which, <laughs> which like normally people I mean I, I've like I've been to all the doctors I've gotten all my shots and checkups mm-hmm. and different things but never have I like taken the one tiny test that's like what is your blood type right and so um there was this little van that was outside our hotel and they have these all over China and you can go in really quickly get get your finger poked and um you find out your blood type within like five minutes and that is really really helpful because um obviously when you're talking to birth parents and different things if they know their blood type you can kind of just do a basic like oh if you have I don't know a b and whatever like you can't make a a, a, like a a, this kind of child like a basic fact check um so that was kind of interesting. So if you don't want to do that in China, I would recommend knowing your blood type before you go over to China. Yeah. I and so <laughs> um, I had to get pricked twice, once at the police station and once at this um, medical van. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I don't like needles. So yeah. don't buy me on that one. It was a definite interesting time. So you met all these potential birth families and they took your, they took your DNA. What was the process, you know, for the families that you met? Did they also submit DNA or was it only if certain parts of their story aligned with your story? How would you have known? Yeah. So, um, 
honestly, the birth families were offered to take kind of their DNA if they wanted to, whether their story matched with mine or not, because they are someone's birth family out there, even though they might not be mine. And so they would also go to the police station and get their finger pricked and their blood would be put on that cloth and then that cloth would be processed. And so um, we didn't bring any, we didn't bring any collection kits over but you could do it through the police station. And so in total through my birth parent search, I had about three families come forward, which is a pretty good number. And like what I'm really happy about is like people kind of took it seriously and they weren't like, oh, I just want to come and meet an American family. So I'm going to say that like there's a match, right? Like people who only really, really thought that there was a match came forward which is really good because emotionally and physically it's it's very taxing listening to everyone and being present and being there and being being your best self but honestly I loved meeting meeting these different families and they brought they brought their kids and it was just able to see like wow there's Chinese families out there that are really looking and really passionate about this issue another thing that I would say would be always just like keep your eyes open. I mean, when I was distributing flyers in markets and in villages and in storefronts and different things, like that's the time to connect with with people. Part of you can just get in this mode of like, oh, I just need to pass out as many flyers like as possible. But in order to to maybe make that connection with your birth family, you have mm-hmm. to make a connection with everyone you hand out a flyer to. Like make like like look them in the eyes, say thank you. Like I really appreciate you um yeah. handing 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 this out because then they feel that human connection and then they're more willing to help you. You know? And so that's a big part of the job is um telling your telling your story because I did that multiple times with different birth families different media channels different important people who we met like at dinners handing out flyers making genuine connections and then really just like honestly being aware of like where you are like at all times and kind of know that like you're representing a bigger population because a lot of people they don't necessarily meet like adoptees and people from the U.S. every day right and so when they look to you not to say that you're a representation of the whole United States obviously but they do kind of look to you and saying like oh is this like we've heard all these things about America is this true are you a a representative of this and um, a very interesting moment that I had was towards the end of end of my trip um because again this was only like seven days and so this was towards the end and right below our our hotel there was like a walmart kind of and my mom and i were there shopping and um this girl had like sent something to me on my phone and i like looked down and she sent me a video of myself in walmart and oh my gosh yeah (laughs) And she was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I, I see you on the posters, like, I see you here. And, like, it was obviously felt like a little bit of a celebrity moment. Yeah, absolutely. I felt, I felt like that was a little intrusive, like, I'd rather her just come up and talk to me, because right. 
no one wants to be filmed at, at a walk getting getting no. tissues and shampoo and different <laughs> things. like right. yeah it was just weird knowing that other people around me knew who I was but I didn't know who they were right and so when you do put all your stuff on WeChat and do you do all these QR codes and flyers and different things be that people might know you or people might take pictures like of you when when you're out especially in Gion like it's not like a super super small like city but it is kind of small and since we distributed so many flyers and we were on the news and people saw me on tv they were more likely to recognize me in public and so just having that I just felt like I really had to compose myself and like I couldn't just like sit on the side of the road and look really bored or right. Yeah. Or, you were like, constantly, you know, yeah. Yeah. You were constantly kind of in the spotlight until you went into your hotel room. And that's not to say everyone around you knew who you were. No, I'm not saying that. Like, a lot of people just pass you by without looking yeah. twice like at me because they didn't hear the news story. They weren't interested, whatever, which is fine. Yeah. But there are those few people that like, really do know know you and but right. you don't know them and so you know it's just kind of a interesting time yeah so how did this little series come about did they approach you when you got to China did they talk to Jane beforehand how how did you become uh like a news personnel for you know talking about your story and everything yeah so honestly um Jane reached out to the media the day we got there. So oh. she reached out to a local news station, like television station and a local a local broadcast station and said, hey, like this girl's adopted. We'd love to do a segment on this. We'd love to uh, like have the public know a little bit more about adoption and different things. Would you be interested in covering, covering this story? Gotcha. And a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. And they, honestly, the newscast people, they came to our hotel room and we set up like an interview kind of thing. Yeah. And so it was, it was really interesting. And they had, um, they had uh, the parents, like my mom and dad, they did a little segment with, with them. They did a segment with the whole family. They did a segment just, just with me. And mm-hmm. so it felt like a really formalized process and, yeah, it was super cool, and they also wrote different articles about us, and it was very cool to see everything translated into Mandarin and um, just be That's able awesome. to have that experience. And so, getting a searcher who um, is good with connecting with the media—that is key. I mean, yes, you can do the different flyers and different things, but what really elevated our search was getting connected with the media. Yeah, it sounds like it absolutely. Yeah, and Maybe so that. Excited. Yeah, get get people excited, get your voice out there. And and honestly, it's a lot of just like telling your story over and over and and over and kind of following <laughs> different leads that um different people give you. And that is what the search is. I mean, every day was something new. We followed a lead from the previous day and we really just kind of was like okay I guess we're going to this town or we're going to this radio station or or like oh the production team wants to see me walking on the road so we're gonna go film that like (laughs) it was very very um unique to everyone's search so it wasn't like Jane pulled out like a clipboard and said okay day one we're doing this two we're doing this it was very organic Mm -hmm. and um 
good and she was really good about giving us breaks and so when she saw that I was a little overwhelmed or different things she was like hey like why don't we all go back to the hotel for like three or four hours take a rest take a shower be by be by yourself watch watch a movie eat eat some food and then we'll come back you know and so she was really really attuned to um people and what their needs were and what the family's needs were and so when looking for a searcher I would look for someone who kind of has the same temperament as you and your family um I wanted someone who was kind caring and and compassionate and so um we looked for that and I'd also look for a searcher who um has good media connections yeah and one who really wants to get to know you as you and doesn't just treat you as oh another girl from Gion who's trying to do a search right you know like really makes it personal to your journey and your story that sounds like Jane was a perfect match in every way for you and your family yes she was great I I really really appreciate that and um I think you had asked earlier in the previous segment um about the cost about mm-hmm. these about these birth parent searches and different things and i was looking through one of the one of the facebook feeds and i saw a number that people be throwing out in different things for mm-hmm. a week it's about 390 us dollars so it's not like oh that's not bad super super expensive right compared to all the other costs of food lodging flights different things um yeah. But that's a ballpark number. Right. So. For a full week. Yeah. For a full full week. And sometimes people charge for the day or sometimes for the week. You Mm -hmm. can bargain and kind of whittle it down. Or some some people might have higher prices. But that's kind of a ballpark range of Mm -hmm. what the services cost. So I just thought I would let you know. No, thank (laughs) you. I asked that earlier. I appreciate that because, yeah, that I imagine that would be for anybody planning to go over and, you know, trying to find a searcher and everything, just budgeting it all out, just have a general estimate of how much things can cost is super helpful, I would imagine. Definitely for me. (laughs) Yes, yes. So after this week of searching, what what was the result before you went left China and ended up coming back to America? Yeah, honestly, we didn't find my birth family, but I was kind of okay with that because we had made amazing connections within Gion. I felt welcomed home and I was able to share my story and feel that I'd done everything in my capacity to find my birth family. And so... I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel like there was something missing. I felt accomplished that we, as a family, like underwent this amazing journey together and we came out a bunch stronger. And um, now I'm able to share my experience with other people. And like, even though I didn't find anything, we never know what, what the future holds. And, um, I honestly put my DNA into various banks after after this process. So it's not like this was the the end of my birth parent search. It it it's basically ongoing slowly right. until 
I die, right? Because like information might come 15 years from now, 20 years from from now. And um, because I've put my DNA into various banks, such as 23andMe and different things, who knows what 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 kind of connections will will pop up. So I was very optimistic. And um, because I made these connections within Gion, if I do want to go back, maybe for a birth parent search, maybe just just a visit, I know more about my hometown and my um, place where I grew up right. a little bit. <laughs> Um, so I felt like that was the completion and like kind of what I needed to move forward was just being able to know my birth city a little bit more and be able to know the people. Right. And so, yeah, that was kind of how my birth parent search ended. And um, I came back to the U.S. and it was <laughs> off to college. At, yeah, at wow. So, it was <laughs> a whirlwind point. summer. Yeah, absolutely. From one life-changing experience to the next, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I don't know, I'm just very thankful and like, I don't feel like there's something more I could do to find someone or find something, you know? Like, I felt right. like I've done everything that I can and um, you yeah, gave I'm very it. happy where I am within That's life. good. Yeah. I think I'm really happy that, you know, even like you said, even though you didn't find your birth family, you still left with a feeling of fulfillment and, you know, just in a better place about everything, right? Yeah. Before you go on your birth parent search, like play through all the scenarios. And one of the scenarios scenario is not finding your birth family. And that's a very likely scenario. And so... I had toyed with the idea and kind of come to peace with that before I even started, like before I even like went to, went to China, like I was okay yeah. with that scenario and that's, and that's what happened and that's okay. And honestly, like continuing to learn about birth parent searches and, and, and hearing other adoptees stories, it keeps mm-hmm. that um, kind of process alive and it keeps this experience real and genuine and I think that's like a lifelong journey and like I I continue wanting to connect with other people who have similar experiences and just because I didn't find my birth parents doesn't mean that I didn't have a full rich experience in China absolutely and I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying about you know it's easy to get into that mentality of I just have to pass out these flyers I just have to you know meet all these people and you know, it's easy to lose sight of that. These are people that you're you're dealing with. And by making each experience, you know, personal, and you really tried to connect with the people that you were speaking with in all aspects, I think that kind of prevents it from feeling like, oh, well, I went to China, I did all this work, and I didn't find my birth parents. Because that's, like you said, that's the, that's a very high possibility that you won't end up leaving China, finding your birth family, but because you made each experience unique and a connection, it was genuine and real, just like you said. Yeah. And, and I think that's like the ultimate goal, like at right. least for me. And, and I was able to do that. And I honestly am so thankful to Jane, our, our guide. And I would definitely recommend her. Um, she has like, her specific email and her specific WeChat and different things. And so if people like are interested, I can possibly pass along that 
information obviously once China opens and the rest of the world opens after this pandemic but um definitely (laughs) definitely plan ahead get to know your birth city a a little bit more and 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 honestly be okay with all the outcomes of your birth parent search before you go in and I think whatever kind of journey you have whether you find quote-unquote good news or quote-unquote bad news it'll Mm -hmm. all be okay because it is your story in the end I think that's amazing advice for everyone, you know, who's planning to take that step or, you know, even just thinking about, you know, trying to find the birth family a little bit more seriously. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners, you know, about your experiences, your story or anything else you would like to share? Yeah, honestly, I would say while you're in China, try to like, lighten your experience with other things within China so what I did is I did like service work within an orphanage or if you've never gone to the Great Wall of China or Tiananmen Square just go to these different places and kind of augment your your birth parent search with kind of um like a journey throughout China if you are able to because I feel like that really enriches your experience and in those kinds of moments, you aren't looking for a specific outcome of like, oh, I might find find my birth parents, but it's just right. a, oh, I'm here to explore my birth country. And that's a, such a wide goal and a wide scope that if you go into that um, segment of travel with that mindset, you don't know what you will find. And honestly, some of the best stories come out of that. And that's not only good um as a like a mental break but you also get to explore more of your birth country so I definitely say try to add on maybe one extra week to your trip if if you're able to to be able to um, have that rich experience yeah for anybody able to I think that is amazing because we're I think going back to China for a lot of us means you know also like you know maybe a birth parent search understanding where we were adopted from where we were found those things but also just like getting to know the other part of our identity that we kind of lost and I think just just becoming one with you know China in a way not to sound too cheesy but I think that that's a really awesome secondary goal or even primary goal yeah exactly because even though like you may not find your birth family it was just a very interesting experience for me to just be in China and be around people who looked like me like everyone had dark dark hair I blended in which was very strange because in Austin Texas (laughs) a predominantly white area and so in China it was so funny because I could go into the market and look at specific things and I, I'd be chilling because I could see my, <laughs> I could see my parents and, and and I was like, okay, cool. They're a few stands over, but they freaked out because they're like, where's Kama? I can't find him. <laughs> and so um, that being part of the majority instead of the minority was also a really kind of liberating experience too. And so um, that's amazing. Yeah, and- that was kind of a fun little thing. <laughs> like, wow, like look here mom and dad I'm blending in and now you have to look twice as hard for for me and this right. is how I feel within America being looked at and like standing out and now I don't have to stand out I can right. stand in and um 
what was kind of interesting too, another segment of this is that people thought I was Chinese until I spoke. Do you know? Like obviously I'm still Chinese, right. like ethnically, but they really saw me as American. Like they're like, You're from America and they kind of just had this it was like I'm not one of them, but I'm American. And then in the United States, I'm not American technically. Well, right. that's what some people think, but I'm yeah. Chinese. And so I really think it's the balance of living between worlds and being okay with that and being right. the bridge between the two countries. And that's kind of how I think of it because sometimes I feel like I'm not totally accepted by Americans. I'm not totally accepted by, by Chinese people. So getting to know that balance and where that stands for you is very important and I felt like I gained a little bit of insight on that topic when I went to China again for this absolutely that's something else I gained that's awesome no I think that's really important to point out um we are whether they like it or not we tie China and America and you know if you're a Canadian Asian adoptee you tie Canada and China we tie all these different countries to China perpetually you know, whether they wanted that or not, we're a bridge, like you said. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's I think it's great. I mean, get to know other adoptees, get get to know different stories, be comfortable with, with your own story and be comfortable with the unknown because right. as we know today, the world is so unknown and things can happen on the dime and gotta just be have to be prepared and diving in and doing your best and that's all there is to do it. <laughs> absolutely thank you again so much for joining us today Pema it was amazing getting to to continue talking with you and hear you know the second part of you know this amazing journey that you took oh thank you so much for having me I really appreciated getting to tell my story and getting to talk to you of course tune in next time for another episode of somewhere between if you're interested in participating in one of these episodes you can email us at somewhere.between.podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to join our instagram family at somewherebetween.fam and stay connected with updates casting calls and a whole lot more thanks again everybody